So this is the word of God, a kind of benediction toward the end, a kind of blessing. First Thessalonians five twenty three, and now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Surely he will do it. Guaranteed. In 1969, uh, there was a kind of a miracle that happened in the sporting world. The, one of the worst teams in football, the New York Jets, uh, actually made it to the Super Bowl. And one of the worst teams in baseball, the New York Mets, actually made it to the World Series and won the World Series. But uh, the New York Jets had a quarterback that, uh, if you're as old as me, you may remember well, and maybe you've heard about him if you're a little younger. His name was Joe Namath. And he came from University of Alabama, and Joe had, shall we say, a flashy personality. Uh, in fact, he loved to party. He loved to be on commercials. They called him Broadway Joe. Well, the good news was they got to the Super Bowl that year. The bad news was they had to play the Baltimore Colts, by far the best team in football with by far the best quarterback in football who was not Joe Namath. It was a quarterback named Johnny Unitas. So everybody predicted that the Baltimore Colts would just destroy the New York Jets, that this would be a lopsided affair. Everybody that is except for Broadway Joe who was lying out on a chase lounge talking to reporters by the pool at his hotel in Miami, Florida. And when asked about how badly the uh, Colts were going to beat the Jets, he said, they're not going to beat us. In fact, we're going to win. He looked into the camera and said, in fact, I guarantee we're going to win. Oh, man, the guarantee. And it was a firestorm in the press. And, of course, the Baltimore Colts were furious. And everybody watching this and all the negative reaction on the Baltimore Colts breathed a collective, uh, uh uh-oh. So, Super Bowl finally came, and y'all, it wasn't even a close game. The New York Jets actually won. And Broadway Joe became an instant legend. In fact, there's a a famous video and a picture of him running off the field with his number one held high above his head. People do that a lot now, based on Broadway Joe. But what he's known for the most is his famous guarantee of victory. You know, some other athletes have tried that guarantee thing and it hasn't worked out too well for them. And the reason why is, you know, in a, in a sporting contest, a guarantee is kind of a 50-50 thing. And I guess if you're Broadway Joe playing for the Jets, it's less than 50-50. I guess here's the point. That, that in whatever field, the guarantees of men are not guaranteed. In a fallen world, all the guarantees are not completely guaranteed. They just fail sometimes. Or there's fine print like some of you found in your uh, health insurance policy. And you thought it was all guaranteed and it wasn't. Or I think of that that warranty I bought online some years ago for my car because it was cheaper online. 
And I called those people just to make sure that company went out of business is going to be okay. I said, now, what, what happens to my investment if y'all go out of business? And, uh, and the answer was, oh, don't worry, we have an insurance company that's going to pay if we go out of business. I got a letter from an attorney about a year and three quarters later saying the warranty company had gone out of business. And, you know, I know you're not going to believe this, but the insurance company really wasn't going to pay. Some of you have much more heart-wrenching stories of broken promises, of broken guarantees, of default, of defraud, of disappointment. But I got good news for you this morning. The Almighty God, the All-Holy God, the All-Loving God of the universe is the one person alone who can make a guarantee that you can count on 24-7. His guarantee is guaranteed. And in our text, he makes a guarantee. In our text, he says, hey, for, for you guys who struggle with sin and are living this thing called the Christian life, that would be me, that would be you, God himself guarantees, promises that he will conform us Grow us, change us more and more into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. No maybe, no could be, no might be. There will be victory over sin. Paul says, we will be conformed to the image of Christ, guaranteed. I want to know this morning if you believe that. Because, you know, it... Our, our Christian life, we've got some real peaks and we've got some real valleys. The, the topography of all this is much more varied, is it not, than we would like for it to be? And uh, sometimes when the struggle is great and we kind of seem to lose around in the fight, Paul is saying to you and to me and God, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't, don't you get discouraged. Don't you get discouraged in this, this warfare. Don't you get discouraged in this race. Don't you get discouraged in this, this fight. God not only guarantees our salvation because He has completed it through Jesus. It is based on the work of another person, not us. Therefore, we can't mess it up. It is guaranteed. It is a gift. It is given. We have position before the Father forever because of what His Son has done for us on the cross. But just as He has guaranteed our salvation, I want you to know He has guaranteed our growth in grace as well. And, and all throughout this book, there are so many things that Paul has said that he wants the, these, this young church, this, this young group of believers to believe and, and to follow through on and to worship God and to walk with God and to do. But he has one final message this morning, and he's saying, you, you can't do it. Without faith. You can't do it without deep dependence upon God because this is something that God alone, just as God alone saves you, God alone empowers the Christian life. And he guarantees that we will be conformed to the image of Christ. That's why I'm kind of calling this the benediction, the the benediction of dependence. Look at how our text today begins. Now may the God of peace himself... You notice the personal responsibility that God's taking, the involvement that God has. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. 
Look at, look at how the, the text today, our text today ends. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So what does it look like for this, this guarantee to be ratified and played out and be discovered to be 100% true in our lives? Well, it basically looks like two things in this text. And that is that God sanctifies us and he keeps us until we die or Jesus returns. God sanctifies us. I'll explain that in a moment. And he keeps us. The first thing is, verse 23, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. What is sanctification? Well, sanctification is the process of God making us more like Jesus. It's the Christian life. It's this, it's this progressive thing. It's, it's something that we're learning, we're growing. God is at work in our lives. We're responding. You know, in our salvation, when we, when we come to know the Lord, the, the, the $10 theological world, world is, word is justification. And that simply means on the basis of what Jesus has done for us because we couldn't do enough ourselves to be acceptable and have a relationship with a holy, holy, holy God. So God sent his own son and his own son lived that perfect life, obeyed all the law of God, the very same thing we couldn't do. He died the death that we deserved, received the penalty that we deserved. And, and you know, when we... Stop trying to, to come to God by our own effort and by our own record and simply put our faith in what Christ has done in our place. We are justified. What it means is we are declared righteous. The very righteousness of God is given to us. The, the forgiveness that Jesus has won is given to us. What that means is a sinner like me and a sinner like you, when we put our trust in Christ, you're forgiven forever. You're clean. You're, you're forgiven before God. You're given the righteousness of God. You will always be declared righteous. That's why we stay saved, if you will, before a holy God. But you know, just as God himself empowers this, God empowers the Christian life as well. The Christian life is a, an ongoing work of God's grace in our lives. And uh, God himself is doing it. Maybe you could call sanctification this. Sanctification is the process of us becoming in our actual lives what we've been declared to be before God in our justification. You know, when you came to Jesus, if you haven't, man, you're going to consider Jesus before the day's out because you're going to want that payment. You're going to want stop. You're going to want giving this thing up and not doing it on your own, not being, uns- you're going to want to not be uncertain anymore. But uh, for those who have put their trust and, and, have, and have come to, to God through the, the, the merits and, and the work uh, of Jesus, um, you know, when you came to God, it doesn't matter if you were six years old or years old or 60 years old, uh, you were declared righteous, you're forgiven, right? Check. But was, was every sin in your life like destroyed and was like your whole Christian life worked out? The moment you believe, no, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is, it is God both to will and to do according to His good pleasure. No. So sanctification, as John Calvin said, is God actually 
actually making us righteous, just as we've been declared to be. Here's God's promise. I guarantee I'm going to work in you just as surely as the power that saved you, that same power is at work in you. I don't know about you. I am so thrilled to hear that and to be reminded of that. You see, Christianity is not just a position before God. Christianity is a life. We got to live this life. We got to live this life with God. We've got to make choices. We've got to follow through. We've got to live by faith. You go, you go back just two verses from our text today back to verse 21. And what do you read? We read that we are to quote, hold on to the good. Do you see that? We, we are to hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. But here in our text, it is God. It is God. Verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Do you, do you see how much God is into you? If you've put your trust in, do you see how vested he is? God is not unconcerned about you. God is not standing off from you. God is in you. If you put your trust in Christ, he is in you by the Holy Spirit. And his desire is to shape us and make our lives more like Christ. Aren't you glad God's working on you and working in you as you walk by faith? Now, I want to read a passage. Many of you have heard this passage. And, and a lot of people take this passage to suggest that, it's re- that we really don't do anything in the Christian life. And, and see, the problem with that is, is they only read the first verse and not the second verse. So why don't we read both verses? And this is Galatians 2, 19 and 20. And you can turn there, Galatians 2, 19 and 20, and it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. That's the first verse. So we say it's all Jesus. Second verse, 29, the life I live. (laughs) You see, I no longer live. It is Christ who lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself, loved me, and gave himself for me. What this means is I no longer live. The old me is gone. Christ is living in me. His power is at work in me. And I live. By faith in him and his power is enough and his intimate concern is enough to to bring forth this change. And see, what this also means is let's just don't leave this in the realm of of whether we're, you know, going to sin more or less. What this means is God loves you personally. You see, this isn't just so one day you can say, hey, I'm so holy. This is so you can have a life more like the one God intends, more whole, more joyful, more peaceful, the one that he wants you to have. The God who saves you loves you now. And every time I think about that, that God's that concerned and and God loves me that much, God is here, I am strangely comforted because God is bigger than my problems. God is bigger than my challenges. He is bigger than my sins, and he's bigger than your problems. 
You believe that? Some of you got big problems. And you're wondering whether God's bigger than your problems. Maybe some of you wonder whether God's involved, whether He cares. Maybe some of you are wondering whether God loves you. Please let the Scriptures and the Holy Spirit working in your heart through God's grace and all that He's saying about Jesus, please resolve the fact that He does love you. He is there. And He's bigger than your challenges and He's bigger than your sins. I remember a song years ago by Nicole Nordeman called This Love. I used to love listening to her. She said that in this song, you know, she says, I'm, I'm looking for a love. I'm looking for a love that comes with a guarantee. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? We're not, we're not looking for a love that, that's not forever. We're not looking for a love that has a maybe out there somewhere. We're looking for love that's real and enduring, a love that comes with a guarantee. There's only one love like that that has the real guarantee, finally, 100% guarantee. I'm not saying that people aren't faithful to each other. I'm not saying that we don't, don't, don't you know, love people dearly and, and stay with our promise. I'm not saying that. But you know, 100% all the time, that guarantee love is only God's love. I love what she says. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a few of the lyrics and then we'll move on. But she's talking about how we substitute other things. You know, to try to find that love, and it doesn't work. She says, I don't need somebody new on the television saying, send me your money and I'll send you a new life. And I don't need your tried and true paperback edition, the one you say fixed you overnight. I'm looking at you, you're looking at me, I'm looking for a love that comes with a guarantee What if I knew, she said, what if I knew that all that I need is held in the hand that always offers me this love? He said, that's what this text is about. It's about a guarantee of God's moving in our lives because he loves us, because he wants us to have that life, to know him better. And this is wonderful. God's love comes with a guarantee that he will always be there and always sanctify us. You know, I love the fact that that God is described here as the God of peace. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And by the way, completely, other translations translate that through and through, meaning God's doing the real work, the, the complete work. You know, there's a... Uh, and then it says, uh, in your whole spirit, you see this? Your whole spirit, body, soul, and body. Um, there's a word that's used a lot. And it's, a lot of times it's kind of a non-Christian word. But really it's probably more properly a, a Christian word. And that's the word holistic. You've heard the word holistic? You know, that, that's what people that do yoga talk about. That's what, that's what people who don't eat meat talk about. I mean, that, that's what people that, you know, like take herbs instead of uh, aspirin or something. That's what they talk about. They talk about holistic this and holistic that. What do they mean by that? Well, what they mean is that, I'm not against any of that, by the way. I'm getting some looks. <laughs> but, but God did say rise, kill, and eat. But I'm not going to go there. That's my favorite Mississippi verse, rise, kill, and eat. <laughs> but what do they mean by holistic? Well, you know what they mean. They, they mean that our lives tend to be real fragmented. And what we were to take a real holistic 
approach and, and deal with our emotions and our spirit and our body and all this. Let me tell you something. This is the mother of all holistic statements. And now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through and, and keep you in, in your soul, spirit, and body. This is wonderful that the God of peace may give you some wholeness more and more. Doesn't that sound good to you? Kind of reintegrate the human being toward what we were made to be. And boy, that has a lot to do with love that enters our life more and more as we walk with the one who loves us, guaranteed. This is important in any age because it doesn't matter if it's in the early church or the medieval age or the Reformation age or the industrial age or now. God's people have always struggled with sin in a fallen world. We have always struggled with against the world, the system of thought that sets itself up against Scripture, against the world, the flesh, our own selfishness, and the devil, the one that wants to scheme and take us down. We've always wrestled uh, with the, the great temptations and the great pressures of the big three in Scripture. You know what they are, right? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life, otherwise known as money, sex, and power. There's, there's nobody in here that's not struggling against the world, the flesh, and the devil. There's not one person in here that's not wrestling with money, sex, and power. And there are different times in your life when you have wrestled with different ones of those uh, more than at other time. Um, and God has always brought his gracious power to bear at any age to become more like him. And, you know, sometimes the road's not pretty. God promises he's going to sanctify us. Sometimes the road's not pretty. But he's going to get us there. And the God of peace gives us peace. But I want to—I have a great question I want to ask. It's a question that we can ask today that could not have been asked in former times. So it's kind of a new question. We know that kind of nothing new under the sun. We've always struggled with sin, blah, blah, blah. Just like I just said. But this is a new question. Um, and here is the new question. And, and you've either, you either have asked it. You, I'm talking about you. You've either asked it verbally. Most of you haven't. Or you've asked it underneath in your heart a thousand times. And didn't even know it. Here's the question. Can we, as believers in 2016, really walk with God in a digital age? Can we, as believers in 2016, really walk with God in a digital age with global communications, with the Internet, with 200 channels on our TV? Uh, you get the question, I think. Can we become more like Christ in an age when everything is in front of us or can be in front of us instantly all the time? All the philosophy, all the religion, all the instant communication, all the advertising, all the promises and quick and easy solutions that are not real, all the beastly portrayals of sex through pornography, all the violence 
that continues to mount and the appetite for such continues to grow. All, 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 all the merchandise, all the envy me photographs on Facebook and all the coveting, all the, all the, all the, you get my, you get my drift, I think. All the world, all the time, brought to me and you through our modern Pandora's box that can steal our peace. That's true. That's a live question. Can a believer in 2016 really walk with God in a digital age? Oh, it can saturate our souls. It can entrance us. It can surely enslave us. This passage answers that question. There's no asterisk that says except for 2016. This passage answers that question, yes. That God is still the same in 2016 and His power is is not limited by the advance of technology and communications. Yes, we can walk with God in a digital age. It may not be pretty sometimes, but God is committed to getting us there. God is committed to working with us. Sometimes God's committed to working against us. To move us back to the pathway. Because God said, I will do it. That's kind of foreboding in one sense. That's terribly exciting in another. Very countercultural. Anti-gravity. Supernatural. God wants to shape us more than we often want to change. It's just true. It's true in my life, true in your life. So amazing. Digital or analog. Virtual or real. Modern or primitive. He is Lord of all. Even the virtual world of 2016. And he's always at work in you and me. If you've put your trust in Him, this is the good news this morning. We get discouraged sometimes. And we need to be reminded that God is not far off. God is there. God loves us. God is is seeking to bring reintegration, seeking to bring wholeness and a kind of, of peace that the God of peace wants to give us. And so, now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely. So first... How does God keep his guarantee? He sanctifies us. Secondly, and finally, but it's going to take a little time to get finally, he keeps us. He sanctifies us. He keeps us. Verse 23, may your whole wholeness, your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He will surely do it. God not only sanctifies us, He keeps us. And the idea of blameless is the idea of being without fault or accusation. Now unto Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence, faultless with exceeding joy because of Jesus to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power. You know, that's another benediction. It says, yeah, God keeps us. And the gospel of Jesus Christ keeps us there before 
the, the throne of grace keeps us there as righteous before God. And God is in our lives and He's not letting go of us. He is, he is going to finish what He starts. Maybe that's another way to put it. God finishes what He starts. He's not going to rest. He's not going to quit until He brings to completion that which He has begun in you. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Will. You know, in, in our theological heritage, we have this thing called the perseverance of the saints. It means that when you've put your trust in Jesus, you're saved because of what God has done and not you. And you're not going to lose your salvation. In fact, you're not only not going to lose your salvation, you're going to persevere. It's just what we're saying. I, R.C. Sproul uh, taught a theology class I went to in, at RTS years ago. Hey, I got a better word for this. How, why don't we call it the preservation of the saints? That God will preserve us, meaning God will keep us. I mean, doesn't that encourage you with your struggle with sin? I'm talking about your struggle with sin. Now, I'm not pointing you out in particular. Every sinner struggles with sin, all right? That, I mean, that, that encourages me. God is keeping me. He's preserving me while he's sanctifying or sanctifying me. Or you could put it this way. Let's put it in an even more far sweeping like you kind of read this and you go, got it. That's what God's doing because God had decided and God's following through on his plan. Maybe we could say that's his plan for us to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's his plan. Some of you may suspect, a few of you may suspect where we're going now. If you turn to the book of Romans, if you have a Bible, turn there. There's a Bible underneath your seat. If you just reach underneath and grab one. Some, actually, we hadn't bought new Bibles for everybody, so some of you will reach down and find an empty cupboard. But we're going to get some new ones for everybody. It's Romans 8.28 through 30. You know Romans 8.28. For we know that in all things God works for the good of those. Who love him in all things. God works for the good of those who love him. Who are the called according to his purpose. So we like that verse. Because no matter what we come up against. We know, hey, you know what? God's like the ultimate multitasker. You know, God's above this. God's, God's above and beyond. God's working even things that we think are bad or devastating. Even those, God is working for our good. For we know in all things, God works for the good of those all things to the good of those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. And that's exactly where people stop and they shouldn't stop. For, little conjunction, for those whom God foreknew before all time, he also predestined. Listen to this. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, for what reason? To be, I'm reading it, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn of many brothers like him. More and more like him. So why does God predestine, foreknow us? Why does God predestine us? So that we can know him? So that we can be Jesus' brother? And so we can be conformed to the image of His Son. 
And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is incredible. If you're wondering whether it's God's will in your life to grow you and to reintegrate your life and give you true holistic life, And peace and love. I'm talking about over time. I'm not talking about some pill you take. I'm not talking about some book you read. I'm not talking about some instant thing that we're always looking for. I'm talking about the process. You can just know that before all worlds, this is what God had for you. Because he loves you. If you put your trust in Jesus. That's his plan. He is faithful. He will do it. He will surely do it, as our text says. I love what one scholar, Mark Howell, says, the time to get serious about your Christian life is now. Your sanctification is not in doubt because God guarantees it. And if he guarantees your sanctification, why would we resist? Because we're sinners. I keep reading, his sanctifying work can either be a blessing or a battle. Isn't that true? His sanctifying work can either be a blessing or a battle. Meaning, kind of like there's an easy way and there's a hard way. But we're going to get you there. And like faith and, and, and seeking Him and, 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 and flowing with this thing called love is, is like the way where, where, where the shaping and then, and then all this running away from God and, and, and entangling, uh, you know, and, and, and having uh, very, very close-up relations with idols of all different kinds. And, and that has to be, like, pried out. That has to be, like, destroyed. That might be the hard way. He says if sanct- his sanctifying work can either be a blessing or a battle. If God is committed to complete the good work that he began in you, then perhaps it's time to partner with him in that process. I think that's a good word. But I think maybe an even better word is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't cave in. Look, if you're discouraged, do not let your discouragement drag you down. God has loved us before all worlds. God has sent His Son. God has called us. God has sent His Spirit into our lives. God's whole purpose for our lives is to become more whole in a love relationship with Him and to serve Him with our lives and show the difference that the love of Jesus makes. His guarantee is still good. Maybe there's people here who said, no, I've gone too far. No, stop that. His guarantee is still good. His love is still there and His grace is still in place He will do it. So why don't we turn to him today? In fact, rather than urging you and me to do that, why don't we convert that into a prayer? Okay, let's bow our heads. Lord, this passage kind of brings a bracing reality to right up in our face of our need for sanctification for you to work in our lives, but it also brings the incredible promise that you are there and that you love us and that you are at work in our lives. If you've never put your trust in what Christ has done on the cross for you and you see it now, you see it, you've never seen it before like this. 
and you would like to be declared righteous and be forgiven based on what Jesus has done in your place, then pray with me, Lord, I see it. And I want to turn from everything that I've called Christianity. And I want to turn from everything that I've called religion. I want to turn from myself and my sin and my selfishness and put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me on the cross. Thank you that you said it was finished. Thank you that it is complete. Thank you that I now have your forgiveness. I now have your Holy Spirit. Lead me, Lord. But lead me into a life that is more and more like you. Lead me into a peace that you, the God of peace, want to give. Lord, there are many of us who've walked with you for quite some time, and we ask you today, and would you just pray in your heart, Lord, would you lead me? Would you change my heart to to even want to live with you rather than living for so many other lesser things? Lord, would you help me abide in you and celebrate the fact that your love is better than life? Would you help me to have the peace that you give only through the Prince of Peace, peace with you? Lord, would you renew my life and make me more whole, more joyful, more purposeful and useful and serene? And would you do that one day at a time? And thank you that your scriptures give us this guarantee that he himself will do it. Glorify yourself through our lives. Let the world see something unique. Sinners who repent. Sinners who depend on you and are changed over time. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.